You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. On days like today when, you know, there's like a football game that some people might be interested in, you know, one of the things preachers like to say is something along the lines of, well, I just... I just wish, the pastor would say, I just wish my church would be as excited as those folks who are watching that football game. Well, they need to come to Ridgecrest because it was so good to celebrate the Lord with you. Now, some of us sometimes as, as Baptists, we have been conditioned and trained to uh, be, be a little bit weary, a little bit worried when, you know, Baptists start getting excited. But I'm going to tell you, when we're in heaven, when we're in heaven, I have a hard time believing that we're going to be able to be all sanctimonious like we are here today, Baptist. We're going to be excited because we're in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so what a joy it is to preach after a moment like that. It's a little intimidating, I will admit, but, but it is awesome because we know the Lord is here today. And he has a great message for us, I believe, from his word. And I hope that you will listen carefully because today we need to get in touch with our Heavenly Father. And he's going to show us I believe, some beautiful truths from his word. So if you will, please stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word. And we just have a handful of verses here today. But uh, the image that I had in my mind this morning, I'll just share it with you. I have some funny images that come into my head when I'm studying scripture. I just felt like these three verses were kind of like a sponge. And what we need to realize is, is these verses are filled with living water. And if we'll squeeze every single word, every particle of speech today, I think there will be a river of living water filling this place today. All right, let's listen to this. Do not be deceived. Now notice this, my beloved brothers, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights. Only time in scripture where that name of God is given. The Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of his truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Now let's ask the Holy Spirit to squeeze a little, amen, and give us every drop. Lord, please speak to us and let your word wash over us. And if we don't know you, may that living water refresh us. And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Now I want to read again to you that very first verse. It's a short verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now I want you to realize that phrase, do not be deceived, points us back to what we were talking about last week, where we were talking about the death cycle, being tempted, allowing our our flesh to draw us away from God. And, And when that happens, it gives birth to sin, and then sin brings on death. We learned last week, and I hope that you were grabbed by that passage, that it gripped your heart. But we need to realize that dark desires lead to deadly sins. That's something that all of us have to come to terms with, that there is a thing called sin, and it will cause us to go into a death cycle. The Holy Spirit alone can awaken your soul to this reality, 
There is no way this morning with any powers of rhetoric I may or may not have, I can't convict you of this, but if there is sin in your life unconfessed, friends, it is leading unto death. The only way this darkness can be dispelled, according to our passage for today, and we know this because God loves us, we are beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, so loved that God not only gave his only begotten son, but gave us his word to guide us and to illuminate us. This passage tells us that the father of lights is here today to shed some light on the situation. If you have the darkness of sin in your heart, well, that's quite frankly inevitable. As as a human being, you're going to have that darkness in your heart, but it doesn't have to stay that way because the light is shining this morning. We've already heard it in the gospel hymns we've sung, the choruses that we've shouted out together. We've already heard the good news of Jesus. We have to allow that light to come into our hearts Last week, we uh, pondered that darkness of our sin, so we were kind of looking down into the dark, but today, God's Word lifts us up to the Father of lights. Our, our chins are lifted up so that we can see that the light of Christ is shining, and that light reveals to us that He has good gifts for us. He has a word of truth for us, salvation for our souls. What I'd like to do today is help you look at Jesus And to turn your eyes full on his wonderful face. Because we need to see him. We need to know who he is. His attributes today will will sort of guide us and hopefully guard us as we go through the text. We're learning about Jesus. And there is never going to be a time when you are filled up to full on learning about Jesus. There is always more to know about him because he is infinite his words and his character, we should never grow cold or tired of that. It cannot happen because Jesus is too much warmth, too much light. We have today some classic descriptions of who God is. We're going to learn that he gives good and perfect gifts. We're going to learn that he is consistent. We're going to learn that he loves us. But what we want to know this is this, is that we want to know this God because you need to know the Lord you are working for. Isn't that true? I mean, that's why we come together to sing about Jesus. That's why we come here to hear the word preach, because we want to know who our Lord is. And the more we know about the Lord we're working for, I'm going to tell you, the better we'll work for him. The better our lives will be. We will have lives that shine with the brilliance of the light that comes from the Father of lights. Yeah, friends, you know, if you think about it, when you understand the character of the one giving the gift, you can appreciate the gifts a whole lot better. And today, as we learn the character of God, I hope that you will learn to appreciate all the good things that God has for you. I believe that you don't need to be deceived anymore. If the devil in the world has you in its grips, well, you know what? Today, that needs to stop. Do not be deceived. God loves you. And I want to show you some of that love and what it means and how it can change your life. Let's begin by looking at the Father of Lights and how he gives good and perfect gifts. Some gifts are better than others, aren't they? Um, But I want you to know that these gifts that we're talking about here today, look at the text, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's coming down from the Father of lights. Now, when we look at this idea of good gifts, we have that word good there. And it's a, it's a simple word. It's a simple word in the Greek. It's, it's a simple word here in English, but it's also a loaded word. I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes in the Bible, little words pack a big punch. 
This is one of those passages where a little word packs a big punch because the word good here would have had more than, than just like a, you know, good in the sense of um, a feeling kind of term. This is a philosophical term. This is talking about kind of the ultimate good. Uh, the philosophers talked about the ultimate good. The uh, sumum bonum is, is the Latin. Uh, this idea that there is a lot of good things in the world, but then there are these things that are so good that, that kind of guide us in our lives and even guide us to heaven. This is what James is telling us about. He's telling us about a God who shares with us good gifts. And we know that he's talking about some ultimate form of gift because he qualifies it. Look, every good gift and every perfect gift. Listen, what God wants to give you is something perfect. Now that word means complete or full. God isn't wanting, wanting to give you a gift that only has some application or some modicum or measure of usefulness, but we're talking about the gifts of God being ultimate, beautiful, perfect, precious. Now, as we get a little further into the text, and I don't want to steal any thunder for uh, maybe next week or whenever we cover verse 21, I think it's next week, but we're going to look at this, this verse 21 and notice it speaks of his implanted word, which is able to save our souls. So know this, that the good gift that God wants to give you is ultimately the word of the gospel. And when that word of gospel is planted in your heart, it gives us the hope of eternal life. That's good. That's perfect. And that's what God gives us. The Father of lights is a gift giver. He illuminates us, but not just so that we know more about the world or know more about what it means to live a good life, but he illuminates us with good gifts that open our eyes and even more importantly, open our hearts to him. Oh, listen, your heart has, and we're going to talk about this, it has room to grow and expand because, listen, this God who is so big that he is universal, he is infinite, this big God wants to fill your heart. And if you let him come in, he'll keep expanding your heart. The good gift of the word is, is that it doesn't have a limit. That the more we submit to that, the more we allow it to come down, because it is from above. Notice that it is a lavish gift that God is giving us. We need to fall in love with God's word like this. I have to tell you, when I, when I think about church and even my prayer life sometimes, I, my spirit gets put in check. Because when I look back and, and I, I write my morning prayers out, that's just something that I've had to do over time and learn how to do. It's a discipline that, I, that has blessed me. But when I go back and read those prayers, that, that's the only bad thing about writing down your prayers is that there's a record of how weak your prayer life is. And when I go back and I look at my prayers too often, I find that I'm often praying to, to God in this way. I'm talking as though he has limitations and restraints. I, I'm talking to God as if, yeah, I know you know I have this issue going on, but I don't think you're really going to do anything about it. Now, if you want to criticize your pastor, well, here's your opportunity. But my guess is the only difference between my prayers and your prayers, you probably aren't writing them down. So you can't go back and pick on it. But listen to me, if you think about our prayers, whether they're written down or not, I, I just want you to be praying. How you pray, that's very personal. Don't think that my way is your way. Not saying that at all. Uh, we need to be praying, but we also need to be examining our prayer life. Because I think what we need to realize is, is that if we have a God who is limitless and large, then we need to have prayers that are limitless and large, like our King and Savior Jesus Christ. When we think small of God, 
we receive small gifts. But when we think big of God, we have access to his limitless resources. We need to pray believing. We need to make sure that we're not just always praying about what we don't have, like wisdom or resources or energy. We need to remember we're talking to the God who has it all, all wisdom, all resources, the cattle on a thousand hills, all energy, all power unto salvation. God can save everybody. He is not limited. We have budgets. We have paradigms and we have structures here at Ridgecrest, but what we need is a God who will empower those structures, empower our resources where every dollar that we give is making a difference. Listen, there is no price that you can put on a soul, but when we put our resources to work, souls are saved. Every good and perfect gift is from above, is from the Father of lights. Listen, he's not giving you small gifts. He's given us the best. And what we need to do is ask God to share more of that with us. And I'm just going to ask you, church, are you asking God to share these good gifts with you? The Father of life's, uh, lights, he gives every good gift and every perfect gift. It comes from above. But let me ask you, every one of you in this room, from the back corner up in the balcony down here to the front row, are you asking God to bless Are you asking him for his power to come down? In your prayers, are you anticipating God to be good and powerful? Don't think for a minute that I'm up here talking about God as some celestial ATM. It's not what we're talking about here. We're not advocating any kind of false prosperity gospel or approach to the Christian life. But listen to this, and I believe this is true. If we ask more of his will and more of his grace, why should we have low expectations and anticipate lesser gifts? Why? Why are we conditioned to think small of God? The one who created the heavens and the earth is telling us that he has good and perfect gifts. We are asked by Jesus to ask, to seek, to knock. In Matthew 7, 7, will we do it? His gifts are good and perfect. Know that. And if you know that, you'll ask for those good and perfect gifts to fill your life. The second point we see in this text is that the Father of lights is consistent. The old term for this is immutability. The old scholars, the old theologians spoke of immutability in a time when hymns. Now, that last hymn we sing is a perfect example of a modern hymn that is theologically as deep and rich as it gets. Many of the old hymns have that quality too. And one of those is great is thy faithfulness. And you'll know that line in there. There is no shadow of turning in thee. You know that line? It comes right here from this passage. When we look to the father of lights, we need to realize there are no shadows. There are no darkness. There is no darkness in his presence. He is light and in him is no darkness. He is the light that lights up heaven. Heaven doesn't need street lamps. It has Jesus. That's all it needs. We need to understand that that light in a very physical sense is also a light in a very spiritual sense. It is a light that can illuminate our hearts. There are dark spots in all of our hearts. And those dark spots, those shadows of the soul cannot be removed apart from the light of Christ. 
He is the Father of lights, and there is no shadow, no variation of turning in Him. He is consistent. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking that maybe in your mind, you're thinking about light in this world. So, the sun can be shining, but that that sun can be absconded by clouds. In other words, you can't see the full strength of the sun, right? So that can happen. Obviously, uh, light in this world, it can cast shadows. Um, it, it has kind of an imperfection in that way. Uh, the light of the stars, often we cannot see the light of the stars. Even when the sun is shining, you can't see the rest of the stars. It kind of, kind of blinds us to the rest of the, the sky. Now at night when the sun goes down, if the skies are clear, we can see. But all of that shows change. I mean, the earth is always moving. The world is always changing. And so we are creatures that live in a world in constant flux. And this is what makes it hard for us to imagine a God so consistent. Change is the norm of the created order, but there is no change in the creator. Now, why do I mention this? Well, I mention this because we all have instability in our lives. We all have those days when chaos seems to get the better of us. And we need to know that God is constant, even when our circumstances are not. As long as we're in a fallen world, we will experience difficulties, challenges, sadness. And this is why the physical world will never satisfy us. Because just when we get comfortable in this world, something's going to change. But if you hear me, here's one thing I can promise you. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning, you will have a light in your life. You will have a love in your heart that cannot be shaken. It is firm ground. It is solid rock. When you trust in Jesus, you have the one thing you can stand on in this world that cannot be shaken. The world cannot promise you this, but your heavenly father, the father of lights can promise you this. A foundation that cannot be shaken. Our forefathers gave us good things to hold on to. One thing is the Nicene Creed from 325. That's a long time ago. That's older than any of us even. All right? The dead guys sometimes still speak to us. Here's an example. The Nicene Creed speaks of God as light of light and very God of God. Friends, that is the truth. 1 John 1.5, which has already been quoted once this morning by Mel, I think. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The Gospels encourage us to become people of the light. Luke 16, 8, who received the true light from God. John 1, 9. There is a consistent theme throughout Scripture that God is light. He is consistent. And He must be the one that we build our lives on. We will be dark and inconsistent without God. Listen, every inconsistency in your life is there because of sin. Either in your heart or sin in the world. Sin inside, sin outside. That's what leads to inconsistencies. Now, I want to be clear here. Not every pain you suffer in this world is because you've directly sinned, but have we not been sinned against? And I don't want to, I don't want to remove that, but I also, like I spoke with you a couple of times over the last few weeks, we want to be careful that we're not always looking for victimhood. We need to realize that many of our problems are due to our own sinfulness. But I want you to hear this. We become more consistent when we spend time with Jesus. The more time we spend with Jesus, we anchor our soul in Christ, and therefore we cannot be moved. 
Listen, the inconsistencies in our life, life's going to change. There's always things that we need to change and grow. But what we need to realize is if we change and grow in the direction of Christ, the, the Father of lights, if we are moving in the direction of God, then we are having a more consistent and more constant life. We need to understand that there is no, no change, no mutability, no, no inconsistencies in God. If your world is shaking right now, I'm going to ask you right now to turn to the solid rock of Christ. And that brings us to this third point, something we need to hear today. As, as always in the scripture, there are subtleties. There are straightforward verses. There are subtleties here. This is a little bit more of a subtlety, but the more I read this passage this week and let it soak into my heart, I believe it teaches us that the father of lights puts his children first. There is a strong tone and tenor here of the love of God and what that means. I can say to you this morning, God loves you. And that's a meaningful statement. But what I want to show you this morning is, is that when God's word tells us about his love, look at verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brother. So this is all couched in the language of God loves you. But it's important for us to know why or how. Well, we've already covered a couple things. We, we know God loves us because he gives us good and perfect gifts. We know that God loves us because he is consistent. There's no variation, no, no change in him. So he's the solid rock that we can stand on. But if you look at verse 18 in particular, you realize that the love of God leads to the hope of eternal life. Today, there are many, many ideas trying to grab a hold of the hearts of Americans. There are, there are people today who are well-meaning, and they, they really believe that the answers to the problems of our world today will be solved by science or by politics. Now, I'll tell you, I, I read science quite a bit. I, I am a fan of of, of learning and knowledge and expanding wisdom. But one of the things that's wrong with science is, is that science often is focused on numbers and not on souls. And another thing that we have to realize is, is that everybody, even with science, somebody has to interpret the data. And what we're finding is, is that some of those people who are interpreting it have agendas. There's nothing wrong with science. It's always something wrong when the science is, is led by the agenda. Let me just say this, this is in my notes, I'll give you this for free. Science, science is always the friend of the church when it's true science and it's dealing with true truth. The only science we need to be uh, worried about is the science with an agenda that is clearly anti-God. So don't worry about science. Science isn't a problem for those of faith. We also need to realize, though, that politics isn't the answer. All the utopian ideas and ideals that have been presented in the world, let me tell you, they're all worth the garbage heap. That's what they're worth. Because every single system of, of, of government has huge flaws and failures. So what are we to do? Well, we're to preach a different message. We are very realistic about the darkness of human hearts apart from God. We know that sin is a big problem. The only thing that's going to change this world is if dark hearts are enlightened by the Father of lights. Hearts that right now are filled with darkness to the point where they celebrate death and dance in the aisles when legislation in a state like New York is passed to abort babies up until the time of birth. People were dancing in the aisles, they say, celebrating that. 
Listen, when we live in a world like that, nothing's going to change it but the light of the gospel. Nothing's going to chase away darkness like that except for the love of Christ. And I don't say this with anger because when I think about those individuals, those secular materialists that are, that are trying very hard to take over the world, I know one thing. Jesus said, you know that world? I've overcome it. We need to understand that we do not have to, to, to cower in the corners, but we need to shout from the mountaintops that Jesus is Lord. The solution for souls and for hearts in America today is the gospel. And we need to realize this. Our message is radical. It is different. It celebrates life. It reminds us that God loves us so much that he sent his only son. How much does God love you and your life? He sent Jesus to die for you. There is no greater gift. You want to talk about a good and perfect gift? That's as good as it gets. And I want you to look at this passage of his own will, okay? Notice this. God's will. He brought us forth by the word of truth. Now, he brought us forth. I, in my mind, that's the language of birth. Now, when you look at this passage and you, and you allow it to, to permeate your mind and your heart, what you begin to realize is, is that God, his love is so great. And he wants us to experience what John says in, in John chapter 3 is born again. The language of birth here, and then notice it leads to that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I'm going to show you in a minute. That is language of resurrection. God is telling us that his love for us is so great that he's given us a word that will save us. A word powerful enough to take dead souls and make them alive again. That's our message, and I don't care what they're teaching on college campuses today. Our message is more radical and more powerful and the solution to every ill in the world. We need the kingdom of God. Amen, church? We need the kingdom of God because we have a message of love and light in a world of hate and darkness. This is power, friends. Watch out. This is revolutionary stuff. We must think big, pray big, because the God who never changes has a love for us that is inexhaustible. Let's think big. You know, here's what we're doing, church, today. We're spending way too much time worrying about the bad things that might happen instead of believing that the dream of God for us is bigger than we can imagine. I want you to have a change in perspective. Quit worrying about how the world's falling apart and realize that the God of heaven and earth is holding it all together and he has a dream for us. What's God's dream for your life, brothers and sisters? The only way to find peace in this world is to seek out the will of God. Notice it says in verse 18, it speaks directly of God's will. And that will is revealed to us in the word of truth. I believe that's the gospel's. Our will, our desires are changeable, but there's no shadow in the will of God. So how can we grow in this love? Well, let me just give you this. We must become like Christ. We become more free when we give up our will that is tainted by sin and embrace his perfect will. When we do that, we are changed and transformed. We experience this idea of first fruits or being born again. The scriptures speak that we need to be new creations. Now, let me put it to you in a kind of crude way. 
if you were to be a person that's a leper, if you had leprosy and you had a spot, just one spot of leprosy, the solution to the cure is not to just scrape off the bad place. I know that's kind of gross. I couldn't think of a better way to put it. Sorry. You don't need to just scrape off the bad. You need new flesh. You need healing. Listen, your sin is a leprous spot on your soul. You can't just scrape it off. You can't just wash it off. You need to be born again. And Christ offers us this recreation. You need recreation, not repair. Not just repair. You need to be born again. You need to become a new creation in Christ. And you can have that in Jesus. This week in some of my reading, I ran across something and it may not connect with you, but I was thinking about the Lord taking somebody like me and somebody like you and making us new again. Ezekiel speaks of a heart of stone turning into a heart of flesh. One uh, British commentator came to, to Christ late in his life, Malcolm Muggridge. What a great last name, Muggridge. I'd, I'd rather have Muggridge than Muniz, but anyway, I didn't get that. He said, you know, he's talking to a bunch of journalists. He said, as a Christian preacher, as, a, as one telling the truth of Jesus, he says, I feel like I'm a caterpillar talking to other caterpillars about the promise of becoming butterflies. That just got all over me. Boy, we feel like caterpillars, don't we? And we're, we're struggling to get out of that cocoon sometimes. But I want you to know, we are on the way to becoming something beautiful if we believe in Christ. And if you don't have that hope, I want you to believe in it today. The Father of lights gives good and perfect gifts. Have you received them? He is consistent. There is no darkness in him. He is the light. Is your anchor in Christ? Remember that he puts us as his children first, but you must be born again. We come to the end of a sermon and a time to commit. We do this every Sunday, but as we do it today, let me just give you a little bit of guidance. Maybe these can be the rails for the invitation. Maybe this will bring you forward. Maybe it won't. Let me just ask you, as we've learned about God today, I hope it's caused you to reach beyond where you are right now and to dream bigger dreams about your walk with Christ. So let me ask you this. What are our God-sized dreams? I mean that for you personally, you and your family. I mean that for our small groups. Do you have God-sized dreams for your small group, for your family, for the congregation? Reading this passage has reminded me how important it is as the leader of the church to always dream big and never sell God short. Some of you, though, are struggling with that dream, and there's one of two reasons. Either you do know Jesus, but you're backslidden, to use an old phrase. You can't dream when you're sliding backwards. And you can never dream if you haven't been born again. So the altar ultimately is for those of us who have been backsliding so we can dream again. Or ultimately, ultimately, for those who need Christ as their Lord and Savior. Come to Jesus. You know, the dream can begin in the altar. Will you come? Will you come? Lord... Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.